Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we are here for another amazing episode here. Uh, Real quick, uh, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, uh, we do have a new show on New Lantern Media, The Truth Fox, uh, with Heidi Linden. Um, I I can't remember her co-host name, but she does have co-hosts. Uh, and, uh, so it was a really good episode, her first episode. So definitely check it out. Uh, she's going to be releasing a new one here within the next couple days. So check that out. I, I do think that we've got some pretty cool, uh, hosts here on New Lantern Media. So I'm super excited. Um, as always, if you are interested in having a podcast on New Lantern Media or you're interested in podcasting. And you know you don't know where to start. If you'd want help getting started with that, uh, we would gladly help you out and uh, get you on the network to get your name out there. And then, uh, of course, if you get popular and you want to leave New Lantern Media, we're okay with that too. Uh, you know, just let us know that you're you're wanting to separate. But um, if yeah, if you're interested, reach out. Uh, just go to newlanternmedia.com. There you can find all the shows uh, as well as the contact page. And as you're listening to shows, just reach out to us. Uh, we got a very interesting topic this week. Uh, we decided to discuss in, in the past. Let's let's rewind. In the past, we've talked about haunted objects. Um, nothing specific. I, I think we kind of touched base on uh James Dean's car, uh, you know, haunted doll such as Annabelle, um, but no- nothing specific. Today we decided to get a little more specific with it and talk about uh, haunted artwork. And I was actually kind of intrigued that there there was more to research than I thought there was going to be because you do hear the the occasional. Um, haunting in, in a art museum or something like that but is it the artwork that is being haunted or is it the museum um, or is it both uh, but uh, something that uh, Eric had brought up um, is there is a, a famous story about this and Eric I'll have you talk about it just because I've kind of read the story here and there but I think you have a little more understanding of the story than I do. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, the story is the picture of Dorian Gray. I don't think you even have to read it or know anything about books <laughs> or history or anything to know the name. Uh, there's been a number of different 
TV shows and I believe a movie about it as well. Uh, and it's a really interesting story. And the story itself uh, is a gothic, a gothic and philosophical novel by Oscar Wilde, which was first published uh, completely in July of 1890 uh, in an issue of, I think it's called a Lippincott's Monthly Magazine. Uh, and that was really its beginning. And of course it moved to uh, an actual book. It's more of a novella than an actual full novel um, or full length novel. But the story basically is about a man who never ages because there's a portrait of him that kind of feeds off of his his uh his years i guess the painting basically gets older but the person himself stays young indefinitely uh and it's just this weird tale about this guy who's very rich and lives and lives and lives uh, but it's really weird it's not one of my favorite stories by far when it comes to the classics, uh, but nonetheless, it's definitely interesting. And I, when you mentioned talking about haunted artwork uh, and maybe just haunted, haunted art in general, and that doesn't just mean, you know, paintings, it could be photography uh, right. or any other type of art source. But this was the very first thing that came to mind was, oh, picture of Dorian Gray. Know mm -hmm. all about that and the idea behind haunted paintings and throughout history we've had a lot of haunted paintings that have come along uh, the network you know we, we see things on tv there's obviously different uh, paranormal shows ghost hunting shows that do investigations around specific pieces of art uh, whether it's actual art like a painting or a photograph of some sort or a, a, uh, a figurine or something like that you know that goes into obviously attachments. Uh, and I think that's one of the big questions when it comes to haunted art is whether or not the art itself is an attached entity um, or has an attached entity or whether the art is haunted in and of itself, like as if it's a living being in a way. And I kind of, in terms of, uh, spectating it from both views i kind of see how either one can be can be uh won over so i think we could talk about that a little later maybe uh, as we, after we share some of these stories and whatnot right yeah because i, I, I kind of have a little bit of a of a theory um but uh yeah we'll kind of get into it a little bit i i think in the story too uh wasn't it 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 would be his undoing if he looked at the painting like he would he would age rapidly and die in the uh, Gray story. i don't recall offhand it's been a long time since i've read this <laughs> so how he died in the story was not by looking at the painting but he stabbed the painting in the chest and the wound was then inflicted upon him because he destroyed the painting. Interesting. Okay. Which recent depictions of the story, I believe, because uh, he was uh, depicted in uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and the way he died in that was he looked at the picture and all of the 
wounds, all of the sins, quote-unquote sins, that he had done and his age caught up with him all at once, and that's what killed him. Got it. So. But anyways, back to the topic on hand. So, doing the research um, and looking through haunted artwork, uh, what were some of the things that you came across? Yeah, uh, I mean, there were a number of different things. Some of them were very popular images. Uh, one, for example, is the image of, uh, what, what are their names? The, you know, the couple holding the pitchfork. I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. Um, the heck is that called? The farmer and his wife. I don't remember the name. Or <laughs> <laughs> I like it. The farmer and his wife. Uh, no, I hold on. I've got it right here. I think. So that one was called the American Gothic, uh, and it was by Grant Wood. And of course, this is a simple portrait of a man and who we would assume is his wife standing in front of their house. Uh, they both have very uh, serious looks on their faces, not very happy ones by any means. Uh, she's kind of looking at him and he's looking directly towards the viewer while holding uh, this this pitchfork, basically a uh, three pronged pitchfork, which you would typically use for getting hay, using it to pick up hay. I don't know if there's an actual name for it other than pitchfork, but I'm not a farmer, so I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's one of those creepy things. There's nothing particularly uh, haunted that we know of, but people claim to have this very uneasy feeling around it. Uh, but again, as far as we can tell, and as far as any investigations have picked up, there's no, there, at least there hasn't been anything reported that I've found in which there's any type of uh, outside haunting or haunting outside of the picture itself, like you would probably have if you had uh, Annabelle the doll, you know, standing okay. around, or you'd get more of a manifestation. This is just more of an uneasy feeling. And that could be the painting itself, just kind of messing with people. People don't like the look, you know, people want to be happy when they're looking at paintings typically or artwork. Uh, and this sets a very different mood. Um, but nonetheless, one could suggest, or at least uh, convince some people that maybe the feeling of uneasiness that you get is due to some type of spiritual attachment. And maybe that spiritual attachment isn't so much an actual, a, a ghost that, manifests itself through uh, paranormal activity, but simply is able to give various feelings or various emotions uh, to an individual, even to the sense of like depression or, or fear. So, you know, that, that was one of the big ones. And what's cool about this one site that I came across actually, it's called arts and culture dot uh, google.com. And it actually goes through just a small, a uh, portion of some of the most famous paintings out there that tend to be kind of creepy and it shows the painting and then you scroll down and it shows a picture of where the painting was actually located or in this case uh, of American Gothic you see this house in the background the house still stands and there's a picture of it 
on the land, you could see the house and where this painting would have taken place, where he probably created the portrait. Uh, same thing with the scream. We all know the scream. Mm -hmm. uh, this one is another one that's really cool. And I think a lot of people just find it kind of eerie because nobody understands what the scream is about. Like, why is this man screaming? Some have likened this particular man as a ghost. Others have said that it was a, a alien of sorts because it does have kind of the weird, uh, almost gray-like figure to its head or shape to its head. Uh, also looks a lot like Ghostface, which is probably where Ghostface even came from. Uh, and it, it's really a, the, the painting itself, uh, at least by many critics, have claimed it to be a plunging perspective uh, and fiery palette, which gives expression to modern humanity's anguish and anxiety. Uh, and you kind of get that with how much is happening in the background, which despite there seemingly being very little, the colors swirl a lot. There's a lot happening. Uh, but even this picture itself is not quite what you would think. Like, I've never looked at this and said, oh, this is a road that they're standing on overlooking, you know, some ravine or something like that. But it actually is. And it's a uh, identified, this place is identified as an F-Jord uh, above Oslo, which is... Uh, being viewed from a road called, I think it's Velhaven. And again, you scroll down and you see a picture of Velhaven Road overlooking the F Jord. And of course, there's a little plaque there that you can't see in the photo, but there is that says this is where the scream was based off of or, or uh, drawn. Um, but, you know, that's again, these are more feeling aspects as opposed to actual hauntings. Hauntings, on the other hand, is much creepier. Uh, so <clears throat> in terms of the haunting, I came across thelineup.com, and this showed me five haunted paintings that you should never really hang in your home. Not that any of us would probably be able to afford any of these paintings anyway, but, you know, <laughs> When you see some of them, it's really creepy. <clears throat> so I'm going to just, do you have any paintings that you came across that you want to share? Um, I've, I came across a uh, list of 10 of the most haunted paintings in the world okay. uh, that you don't okay. want to own ever as well. So um, you might actually cover some of the ones that I've got. So go ahead and, and we can kind of discuss them. Okay, so the first one that I came across that is just really creepy to me is called The Hands Resist Him by Bill Stoneham. And this is an image, you guys look it up yourself, but uh, this is an image of a little boy dressed in blue. Uh, next to him is a doll, a girl. Uh, you could tell she's probably a marionette doll of some sort, a rather large one. And behind them is what looks like a window Everything's black behind the window, except for these hands that are just kind of all over the place. Uh, the boy is very in a very has a very stern look on his face. He's not happy. But I mean, if you were standing by that doll, would you be happy? I wouldn't. No, be happy. no, not. A, I mean, a doll's not happy either. It's all creepy, <laughs> and she doesn't have any eyes. Right. It doesn't look like. Um, but the hands resist him is 
one, probably one of the most famous haunting, haunted paintings in history. Uh, this particular painting uh, was Bill Stoneham's way of expressing his feelings about his adoption. Now the image, as I said, shows a terrifying looking doll with black eyes beside a boy who stares directly into the viewer's eyes. And behind them is the disembodied hands pressed up against glass, uh, which is said more or less to represent the barrier between the waking and the dream world. Now the haunted history of the painting itself dates back to 1974 when it was purchased from an art gallery. 10 years later, the owner of the gallery, the person who bought the painting uh, and an art critic who had written about it were all dead. Now the painting eventually resurfaced on eBay where its terrified seller claimed that the figures in the artwork came to life at night. Some claim that merely viewing the painting causes blackouts and physical illness. Now the painting has since been acquired by another art gallery and is locked away in the gallery storage space, which, at which point obviously it doesn't see the light of day and no one gets to see it. Yeah, that one was kind of interesting. Uh, the article that I came across on Scoop Whoop uh, also says that uh, the owners revealed the boy getting out of the painting and the doll coming to life all on camera. Hmm. Now, where, where that video footage is, I don't know. I'm not really sure I want to look it up either. But <laughs> just saying. But uh, does the the website you have have the crying boy on there? Uh, it does, yes. Okay. Um, well, real quick about the... the um, the hands resist him. Actually, I remember seeing an article about this painting, about the the whole. Uh, it was bought on eBay and and then eventually uh, was sold to be never seen again. Because uh, if I'm not mistaken, the guy that bought it on eBay passed away with mysterious circumstances too. Oh, didn't he? That's creepy. I, I thought I if, haven't if found anything on him. If I'm rem remembering the article right. Um, I I'm pretty sure he had also passed away uh, shortly after buying this painting too. So um, this next one, which I, I think your article probably goes into a little more detail than, than this one does, but The Crying Boy, um, the artist painted over 60 such works, all of which were said to attract fire. Uh, people reported that the fires were caused by the paintings, which always remained untarnished untar by the fire. Their houses burned down completely, and in some cases, even members were injured, but never the paintings. I, I, if I remember right, I did read an article on this as well, and some people actually perished um, in these fires. Firefighters who were sent on rescue to these houses all reported the same story. And that's probably generalized compared to what you've got there. Yeah, I mean, it, mine's not, doesn't go too much more into the fire. This is, all I have is um, that some owners did uh, tell their own or told stories of their own house fires when acquiring this painting. But it's not just this paint, like the painting itself, the original. This actually goes as far as the copies of this painting that exists. Okay, the print too. Yeah. So, uh, and this dates back to 1985 when the curse really began, and that was in a British uh, 
tabloid, The Sun, told of a South Yorkshire house fire at that time. And this, again, was supposedly a copy of the teary-eyed portrait, uh, which you can still purchase today, by the way, folks, if you want to take your chances, you can, of course, order this online. Just Google it and you'll find it. Uh, maybe, no, we're not going to get into that. But that would be illegal, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> uh, but if some of you wise people might come up with a good reason to buy it. Anyhow, especially if you need some extra money. So, uh, yeah, I, it's weird because, like, what's really weird about it, did you mention that the blaze obliterated everything except for the painting itself? Yeah, it says that okay. pretty much everything or the house is burned down completely. And in some cases, even family members were injured. Um, and I did forget the the name of the artist is uh, Giovanni Brogelin. Okay. Um, is it? Because I have a different name. Oh, that's what this one says. What's... That's weird. I have Bruno Amadio. Because Bill Stoneho Stoneham was the first guy, right? Right. Okay. Weird. I don't know. Hmm. Of course, looking up the internet, you never really know what's the truth anyways. But... Okay, well, I... Hold on. Hold on. Ah, we're both correct, which is really weird. Bruno Amadio, <laughs> born... November 9th, 1911, and passed away September 22nd, 1981. Popular known, popularly known as Bragolin, and also known as Fredcott Seville, Angelo Bragolin, and Giovanni Bragolin. Uh, so he was even trying to hide the curse of this painting, apparently. Must have been. Uh, so, you know, he, he's, he goes by a number of different names. I think Giovanni Bragolin is his actual name, though, uh, where Bruno Amadio, uh, I don't know Maybe was where a exactly student comes or from, something? but he's most popularly known as Bragolin. Okay. Huh. Interesting. What was the next one on your list? Uh, the next one I'd like to talk about is the, this is just because it kind of grosses me out, actually. It's called The Anguished Man, and nobody knows who it's by. Uh, this is an image that really just looks like like a flesh, fleshy picture of a person whose mouth is open uh, and whose eyes look like they're burned out of their skull or something or maybe melted out. Uh, it's really gross. Uh, but, but the owner of it, Sean Robinson, claims this painting, known as The Anguished Man, has a particularly terrifying backstory. Uh, so, goes the tale that the anonymous and disturbed painter allegedly stirred his own blood into the paint as he worked on the image. Now, soon after completing the piece, the artist committed suicide. Strange activity has haunted the anguished man ever since, from shadowy figures and distressed pets to the eerie sounds of crying. Now, the longer that Robinson left out the painting, the worse the haunting became. He even documented the latest creepy incidents on his YouTube channel, which you can actually look up right now and check out yourself. Uh, and today is currently safely locked away far from any possible victims. Yeah, that there was, that was pretty much all I, 
came across too. And like we kind of talked about, um, I think it was last episode or, or the episode before that about um, how do we know the the account if nobody knows who the painter was? Like, how do right. we know this guy put his blo- own blood into the painting and then right. committed suicide? <laughs> right. We don't know that. And, you know, one thing with artwork, especially when it's uh, created by somebody who isn't famous at the time they pass away or they just disappear, you end up getting stories that are kind of like telephone. Maybe there was some type of truth to it at one point, but the further down the line it gets, the more that truth is obscured. Uh, right. Who knows? Well, and just by, I mean, just by looking at this painting, maybe this guy was haunted or haunted by something from his past because it, yeah, yeah it's really disturbing. Almost looks like something was haunting him uh, or an extraterrestrial type phenomenon or something because it's just really really disturbing picture um one of the other ones that i have here i don't know it's on your list is the dead mother i don't have that one okay so this uh people have reported shivering or screaming after having looked at the painting and this is a painting by edward munch i believe uh German name, so if I'm mispronouncing, well, it would be Edward because it's E D V A R D if it's German. Um, but uh, the painting is inspired from the death of the artist's own mother on the account of tuberculosis when he was just five years old. Aside from the fact that the painting is said to make people eerily uncomfortable, it has also been said that the eyes of the little girl follow you around at that, and that you can hear mother's sheets rustling interesting not really a disturbing picture um it literally looks like a dead mother with a child standing next to it but um just the fact that people are reporting these weird accounts is, is definitely eerie right yeah, and uh, the pronunciation of his name, by the way, is uh, Edward Monk. Uh, weird. I know you wouldn't think there's a G in the in his last name, <laughs> but it's M U N C H is how you spell it, uh, and it's actually pronounced. I believe it is M U H N G K. Is how it's pronounced. So Edward Monk. Uh, and he's actually also the painter of the scream. So he's got two famous oh, paintings, okay. uh, both of which may or may not be haunted. I didn't realize that was the same person. Okay, next one on your list. All right. So the portrait of Samantha King by Richard King. Now, this deceptively cheery painting by Richard King hangs in Austin, Texas. Uh, or at least it did uh, at the Driscoll Hotel. I don't know if it's still there or not. Uh, And it carries with it, of course, a very haunting legend. So it is said anyway, that the young girl featured in King's painting is Samantha Houston, the daughter of a US Senator who fell to her death while staying at the Driscoll. Present day guests claim that merely gazing upon the painting makes one feel dizzy. 
as though you too are tumbling down a set of stairs. Others, others claim to have encountered Samantha's ghost in the hotel halls or say that if you look at the painting long enough, Samantha's face contorts. Now, as with any good legend, the painting's haunting uh, backstory is a mix of fact and fiction. See, Willow Smock peered into its history and concluded that King's work is actually a replica of love letters by Charles Trevor Garland. But, of course, tell that to the Driscoll guests who stood before the portrait and ended up meeting some paranormal activity, uh, which, of course, I think is right in line with some of, the, some of the things that we've talked about in the past and how you can imprint an idea on someone's mind by sharing your own views. So if you're going to the Driscoll Hotel and you're looking at a painting that isn't haunted, but you believe it's haunted, there's a chance you're going to witness paranormal activity. Uh, one thing I would like to debunk a little bit is kind of try to debunk, I should say, uh, since I don't have evidence of it, but you can test it yourself and probably prove me right. Uh, that's the plan anyway. <laughs> but if you look at anything, like, I mean, literally, seriously, stare at anything. It could be this image of this girl. It could be the wall, a blank surface, uh, anything. You stare at it long enough, it's going to look like it's starting to move on you. Uh, and that's going to have a lot of trick uh, on your eyes between the light and just the way your eyes move because your eyes can't actually stay 100% still uh, all the time. Not to mention your eyes are trying to focus in and out uh, of whatever the images you're, you're looking at. Uh, and Justin, you know, like you sit here and stare at an image without blinking, your eyes are going to focus and then lose focus and you're going to try to refocus them uh, without blinking. And when you do that, the image starts to contort itself. And you can do that to any image. Uh, so everyone give it a try. It's backed by science. Oh yeah, like the, the images that you stare at and then if you close your eyes, you still see the image, but you see color and the, right. the image was black and white yeah. or something like that, yep. Mm-hmm. So the next one I've got here, I don't know if this, again, if this is on your list, is the portrait of Bernardo de Galvez. Nope. Nope. Well, good. I'm glad we got different resources. <laughs> um, okay. So this one is uh, supposedly said that you have to ask permission to take a picture of the painting or it comes out blurred. Uh, when the Galvez Hotel opened in the 1900s, they hung a portrait of Spanish military officer Bernardo uh, de Galvez, after whom the hotel was named, in the hallway. Soon after, guests began to complain about the portrait, recounting that the eyes in the portrait followed them as they walked past. Others reported instances of feeling extremely cold and uneasy when standing around the portrait. Now, one thing that I do have to say, and... Uh, so far, two of the, the paintings that I have brought up have a common theme, that the eyes follow you. And a something that not very many people know is this is actually also a common uh, technique used by artists to give that effect. Hmm. And people don't realize that. Um, not yeah. everybody does it, but certain artists have used this effect to make it look like the the artwork is actually the, the eyes are following you 
Um, and then to kind of debunk this, if you hear these stories and then feel that the portrait's eyes are following you, of course you're going to have a physical reaction of extreme cold or uneasiness around this painting. Right. And that, once again, just goes back into imprinting an idea on somebody's mind. Uh, you know, and it could be anything. It doesn't even have to be something haunted or, you know, something moving. It could be absolutely anything. Uh, you get somebody to believe something. I mean, we see that in everyday uh, news networks and uh, talk right. on social media. One person says one thing, a rumor, and suddenly this rumor is, becomes true to everyone's knowledge when really it isn't and can be debunked, uh, which is a little bit of fact checking. So, you know, it's just really interesting how easily, even people who are like, oh, I can't be manipulated. You'd be surprised at how easy it is to manipulate somebody actually uh, with just a couple simple words. Right. All right. Next one for you. Yeah. So my specific uh, site that I was using only listed five. So my five are up. Oh, so okay. <laughs> I switched on over to Scoop Whoop. To join you, uh, there's some really interesting things here that definitely were not any that I didn't come across until jumping on here. But uh, this one's just really creepy. the The name is creepy. The Rain Woman. Uh, now, it's kind of weird because the image itself uh, it looks like a white woman dressed in all black and possibly it looks like there's rain or water dripping off of her hat. She's wearing a black hat. Uh, when I first looked at this, I literally thought it was half human, half goat creature. Cause that's what the hat looks like. Goat ears. Uh, it's not, I guess it's a woman, but <clears throat> story goes that the artist who painted this particular uh, painting, her name is, I believe it's, uh, <laughs> Svetlana Tellet. <laughs> Something like I know that. It's, yeah, I know it's Svetlana, but Tellet. Svetlana. Yeah. Uh, anyway, having completed her painting in a mere five hours, uh, she revealed a hand was guiding her. Now, after completion, owners who bought this painting returned it almost immediately, having reported insomnia, fear, unexplained sadness, and even the feeling of being watched while in the vicinity of this painting. Feeling being watched is a little different than seeing the eyes follow you. Uh, right. And of course, one thing that's... It's weird, but like this, this painting is eerie. It's just genuinely an eerie painting uh, and i think if you have it on your mind like oh this is creepy you can easily explain all of these things away i mean the painting is all black and green there's a sense of sadness the woman's eyes are drawn toward the toward the ground that looks makes it look like she's a little down or depressed her uh, hat is a little floppy again this comes to being a little more down or depressed or sad. Uh, and of course the rain, how many times any of us uh, wake up to morning rain and we just think, Oh, such a gloomy day. And we feel a little depressed. Uh, 
so I think some of the stuff like insomnia, fear, well, fear, I don't know, but the unexplained sadness could easily just have been a play off of the, the painting itself. But who knows? It, the, the artist claims to have had a hand guiding her. She didn't go into explanation or detail uh, as to what this hand was or why she felt like it was guiding her. Uh, so we don't know too much there. But right. I don't and know. That was one that I, my eye was kind of attracted to as well, just because it uh, almost looks like a woman in mourning, like at a yeah. funeral or something. Yeah. Um, but the next one that is right under it as well, uh, unfortunately, they don't have the name of the artist here, and it's only titled Untitled Nightmarish Painting. Um, says the artist surrounded himself with concepts of death and channeled that into his work. Now, what I will say, and it's really weird, is the way that that particular part is worded channeled concepts of death into his work and I'll go into that when we we talk about what kind of my theory is about that um, about this artwork being haunted but uh, the artist lost his wife in 1998 and a year later his son committed suicide he himself was also brutally murdered simply because he refused a $100 loan to a man uh, this is added even more of a fearful air to his painting. It is believed that looking at the painting for too long could lead to one's death. And it just looking at the painting, it almost looks like somebody's soul being dragged to hell. It does. Kind of. Yeah, something. Well, it, it's really, it's creepy. It looks like it's, uh, I was going to say it looks like it's skeletons, but it's not. It, it's uh, clearly humanoid people. Humanoid people, because, you know, people are humans. <laughs> That's a good one, Eric. Dumbass. Um, <laughs> but they, they look extremely thin, like there's no muscle on their body whatsoever. It's right, just yep. skin and bone. Uh, even like their faces, you can tell some of them have eyes. Uh, some of them apparently don't uh but there's a lot of spiritual entities around as well there's a demonic entity uh in the top right corner over here he has two horns protruding from his head yeah uh, and there's a face of a woman in the background which is very ghostly all white face with black lips and black eyes with a bright white pupil it looks like that could be supposed to be light shining off um and then Almost we have like this angel and devil yeah, kind of could could deal. very well be uh, a combination of the two or a mix between the two. One, like fighting for uh, for the soul even. Right. Uh, it's a little weird. I don't understand the full concept of it because the souls, which is what I'm assuming these are, seem to be leaving the light uh, or light aspect of the art and moving into a brick wall, which is red and I think is a representation of hell. There's an arrow pointing to it, but there's also a mask at the very bottom of that mm, wall right. as well, which is intriguing. I uh, don't know what it means, uh, but nonetheless, it's kind of horrifying. It's very horrifying. Well, yeah, I'm. If you if you're thinking of this as as heaven or hell, which I mean, truly, it, it does kind of depict that a little bit but if 
you think about where he was in a mindset, uh, also the transition from life to death and the mask being this human flesh suit that we use on this plane um, before we die. Very well could be. And that's one of the one of the nice things about artwork in general general is that it's very much open to interpretation in most of the right. time. Uh, right. now of course we get like as we told said today, we've gotten some perspective from the artists themselves uh, who explain why they did this or did that. Uh, but most art is really based on perspective. And you can get two different people to look at the same piece of art and get two completely different dynamic uh, views on it that are complete opposite spectrums so and i think that really tells a lot about uh, a person as well and that's why psychologists will sometimes use the flashcards that have ink splots on them it gives them an idea of the type of mindset you have when you're looking at these ink splots uh, so yeah it's 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 art man it's really interesting and you were of course speaking of the rorschach test yes um, well, we are getting uh, well into the episode, so I think we'll kind of skip these other couple ones because they're not as disturbing, um, and the stories are kind of similar where it's just odd feelings or, or uh, weird occurrences. So we'll go to break, um, but we'll kind of get into what our thoughts on this is uh, right after that. So we will be right back after this break folks you've been listening to pair truth radio right here on new lantern media hey there i'm hannah and i'm audrey we are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of sleepover cinema our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls gays and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon. Hey everyone, I'm Kat Ward, host of Paranormal Heart. Join me on the second and last Sunday of each month as I speak to people who share their paranormal experiences. We talk about ghosts, cryptids, aliens and UFOs, and so much more. You can follow me on Podbean, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and any place you find fine podcasts. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we have been talking about haunted artwork. Uh, specifically, we've been talking about paintings, as paintings tend to be some of the most haunted objects in our world's history, uh, dating back many, many years. So I think now that we've gone through many of these stories, uh, 
there's a lot of perspective, not only from uh, an individual looking at the artwork, but now you and I have the job uh, of sharing our perspective on the haunting behind some of these uh, these paintings or objects. So I'm going to let you go ahead and jump in first because I know you do have a theory or two that you want to share. Uh, so why don't you jump in first? Yeah. Uh, so there's there's two things here that came to my mind doing the research through this. And um, one of them being uh, there are civilizations and people that believe um, pictures, uh, photographs can take your soul or, or take part of your soul um maybe the the same thing can be said about paintings at least the ones that depict human beings uh maybe a part of their soul is connected to this painting just by the artist painting them um now granted some of them are painted depictions of themselves the artists themselves um others are just paintings that we, we're not really sure who the subject is per se. Um, but that's kind of one thing that kind of came to my mind is, is at least the ones with the human aspect, the human subject. Uh, maybe there's a part of the soul that's attached to this painting of the, of the subject uh, just because it has been done. Um, the other thing that came to mind um, we talked about it with the uh, painting, uh, the raining, the rain woman, uh, where the woman said she felt that her hand was being guided. Uh, another part is the untitled nightmarish painting, uh, where the artist surrounded himself with concepts of death and channeled that specific word uh, into it this into his work uh channeling uh for those of you that don't know is the practice of bringing spirits into your own body um not always but a lot of depictions of channeling is channeling a spirit in your own body so that they can speak through you uh that can also be interpreted as a medium uh talking to a spirit and communicating what that spirit is saying um but maybe an artist, and I've sometimes wondered about this myself as a writer, uh, is being communicated through or communicating with spirits um, through their through their artwork, and that would some maybe somehow cause a haunting. Whether it's a, the spirit that helped with the painting, whether the artist somehow gets connected the spirit of the artist gets connected to this painting uh, because they did it and it was a haunting situation. Those are kind of the two theories that came to my mind. Of course, I can't do anything but speculate and, and raise a theory because I have not done any investigations around haunted paintings. Um, we did do a an investigation at, I believe it was the Columbus... Was it the art museum or history museum? Yeah. Uh, um, I can't remember which one it was, but we did do an investigation around one of those museums. Um, and of course it wasn't your typical. Right. It wasn't a full investigation, but right. nonetheless, yeah, it, 
you know, sometimes it's fun just to, and I'm, I'm starting to see this actually as time goes on, more and more investigators who are kind of backing away from the typical experience of ghost hunting, uh, which is simply going into a, a closed down location. And by closed down, I mean just blocked off, blocked off by um, or from the public, uh, where you can just be by yourself or be with your group ask questions, try to throw trigger objects out there, stuff like that. Uh, they're starting to move away from that and move into a more non-discreet uh, or a more discreet uh, way of hunting or investigating, which is simply to walk into a building, which maybe there's public access, maybe there's not. Maybe you're in your own house. You just put a uh, EVP or a, yeah, a voice recorder out there turn it on, walk around, have a normal conversation with people, uh, with your family, your friend, whoever you're with, and you just let it go and you listen back to it. Sometimes what you end up catching is more uh, information from the other side than you would if you're doing a full-on regular investigation. And the primary reason that we think that, at least here on Paratruth, is because when you're purposely reaching out to a, to a spirit or what you think is a spirit, they tend to want to hide away. They want to get away. They want to be left alone, but they're also very lonely. And so if you're ignoring the spirit and you're just going about your business, you'll find that some of these ghosts tend to want to reach out to you first, primarily. Uh, and so that's just another way of investigating or a new technique or another tech technique that you can try either just on your own or even in a regular paranormal investigation uh, during a lockdown. You know, you, you can just give that a shot, see what happens. And we've seen people doing that even on the TV shows. Uh, but I think as more people tend to do that and start leaning, leaning towards it, I think the more evidence we're actually going to pick up of the afterlife or whatever it is uh, that's on the other side of our spectrum. Right. So what were your some of your thoughts or theories on it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of my thoughts and theories were right in line with yours already. Uh, minus one that I don't think you really mentioned. You talked about artists who maybe have a spiritual attachment or, or some type of ghost is maybe uh, leading them to, to do mm -hmm. artwork or that maybe the spirit that's attached is whatever portrait maybe that the artist is creating uh, much like photography or spirit photography, which we could talk a little bit about if we wanted to. Uh, but the other thing is how often do we see artists of all areas, whether it's painting, uh, photography, television, movies, writing, uh, you name it. They often and say the same thing when it's something that's very highly critiqued in a positive way. And that is, I've poured my heart and soul into this. And I think in some senses, that's literal. Uh, every time you work on something or create something that you're really diligent uh, in, something that you love, and you spend your time doing that, you're pouring yourself into it. You're spending hours with it. And you can literally leave a piece of yourself behind in that painting, uh, maybe as some sort of spiritual attachment. And many of these paintings that are haunted, they tend to be along the lines of a depressing type of 
painting. There, there's something horrific about it, something scary or eerie, or, or you could tell that the painter was in some sort of depressed or oppressed mindset. And so the imprint they leave behind is, of course, going to match whatever the painting is and whatever their mood was during this, this piece of art. Uh, and that happens a lot uh, more than you think. Like I myself, when I'm writing horror stories uh, or films, you know, I get in a really deep, dark place and I don't like it, which is why I try not to write as often as I do want to, um, because that'll stay attached to you for a while. You know, you, you jump in, you spend a couple of hours writing, and then you spend a couple of days trying to get yourself back out of it uh, mentally. And then you have to try to get yourself back there again to finish the project. Uh, and that's very hard uh, on some people, on a lot of people emotionally, especially when there's so little you can do right now, you know, it's not summer, so we can't get outside and spend some time in the sun or with friends or family currently. Um, but you figure when some of these paintings were made, who knows what was happening then or what they were going through. Uh, right. So, you know, I, I think that's really the only thing I can add because uh, everything else, I agree with you, you know. All right. So that's all we've got for haunted artwork. Um, I'm sure there's other artwork out there that is not paintings. I'm sure there's uh, statues or uh, different ceramics that supposedly have a haunted, ha haunting attached to it. Um, but every research that I did, for some reason, just came up with paintings. Um, and I, I kind of feel that with with statues, you would kind of be running into this similar situation of, especially if it's a statue of a human being, that possibility of the soul or spirit being attached from either the artist or the the uh, person that it's being done right about. Um, but so next week uh, we actually have a guest on. Um, her name is Ada uh, Severini, and she is the author of Hoodoo Cleaning and Protection Magic. Uh, so we wanted to get her on because it's been a little while since we've kind of delved into this a little bit, the, the hoodoo and voodoo. Uh, but uh, we also haven't had a guest for a while. Our last guest was uh, Dr. Heather Lynn. For, uh, she wrote the book Evil Archaeology, which she was a great guest. Loved having her on. Um, but uh, yeah, this should be interesting. Um, Eric and I, this is kind of where we started our journey back to our faith was kind of we wanted to delve into voodoo and hoodoo uh was it juju bags yeah <laughs> sure was because i think we had seen it on supernatural or whatever it was um you know just kids being kids for, for protection <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so this will this will be cool it'll be interesting to talk to her um she has a very high praise from uh, Sir Brian Bowden, who you guys have heard on uh, here as well as uh, Beyond Reason and his shows as well. So it'll be cool. I, I'm looking forward to talking to her and seeing what she has to say about hoodoo cleansing and protection magic. Um, anything further that you wanted to announce or, or say or anything? Um... No, I don't think so. Okay. All right, folks. Make sure you're staying tuned to all the shows on New Lantern Media. That's Paranormal Heart, 
uh, now the Truth Fox, Paratruth Radio, Beyond Reason, and let's talk about it. Um, all great shows. I'm super happy to have all these people on. Um, we are trending towards a paranormal podcast network, which is kind of weird because I was not what I was trying to do. Uh, but if you guys have any podcasts that are outside of paranormal, we would love to hear about that and uh, have you on the network if you were to be interested. So definitely get in contact with us. Um, but until next time, uh, where we will be with Ada Severini, uh, same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.